0: Lions. You're listening to the One Podcast. Hello, and welcome to the One Podcast. I'm Tori Petri from DetroitLions.com and your host for this official Lions podcast. We are on episode 18 of this podcast, and it is Uh, week three and you might hear him in the background here we have a guest that was with us last week Lomas Brown Uh, it's fun when Lomas and I get to do a podcast together and I think this is going to be a more regular thing throughout the season and I'm pretty excited about it
1: I love it I am too
0: (laughs) (laughs) we always uh, have a fun time talking Lions football and Lomas makes it easy for me and sometimes we slip a little gator talk in there as well because Lomas and I are both Florida gators and we just can't help it sometimes. (laughs) Yeah
1: you're right it does it just kind (laughs) of slips out so forgive us if y'all hear some gator talk come out.
0: Exactly but we we definitely do enjoy uh, talking Lions as well and there's plenty to talk about this week as the Lions Started their season 0-2 with a loss again last week to the San Francisco 49ers in Santa Clara. Uh, They come back home to face the New England Patriots on Sunday, so we'll do a little bit of looking back and a little bit of looking ahead as well. But we'll start uh, with that game in San Francisco. Mm -hmm. And I asked you this question uh, last week about that week one game. What are your immediate reactions to that game, Lomas?
1: Well, immediately it was better than the first game, from a defensive standpoint, yeah. yeah, we gave up a lot of yards on the ground, almost 200. And I don't care what league you're playing. You can play flag <laughs> football, Tori, and that's not good. But we held them the three for 12 on first downs, and we got six sacks. So that was encouraging, you know, to see that we made those strides on the defensive side of the ball. And conversely, with offense, you know, when they had to go down and score when the game was late and we put up points, they were able to go down and score and put the ball in the end zone. So those were things that I took positive out of those games. But, again, starting deep in the hole and giving up the big plays, that's just a recipe for disaster. And and what really hurt us, I think, so much more so was the penalties. Ten of yeah. them for 105 yards, but it was just the big ones. I think one brought a punt return back. and yep. You know, so it was just big penalties that hurt us too.
0: Yeah, and you can't forget the penalty that brought back that uh, interception, interception there yes. at the end of the game, Tracy yes. Walker, who I've been impressed with early on. Uh, in the season and in the, in the preseason as well. Uh, it was cool to see him have that moment, but disappointing for him that his first NFL yes. interception didn't end up counting there. What did you think of that exchange when it happened? I
1: know I was – I mean, I was jumping for joy because, again, that was a great play by Young and – first year, rookie, right? right? Your rookie guy, and that was a great play that he made. And, again, you know, for it to get um, – brought back for something that happened way on the other side of the field but I mean the thing I have to say Tori, they were consistent with the call the referees were so I can't say that we got robbed on that and if you look at it we, were, we got caught with our hand in the cookie jar. So, But it was just unfortunate because that would have been a great moment for Tracy. And that would, have, I think, really clinched the game for us.
0: Yeah, I think a lot of fans had a hard time with it being so far away from the play.
1: Yes, that's the biggest thing. You're right. But they call it. And you know what the other thing is? It's such a small penalty. It's only five yards, right. yardage-wise. But it's an automatic first down. And that's the killer part about that penalty there.
0: Yeah, it definitely was disappointing. I um, said this in uh, a video that I did this week where I was standing on the sidelines when that play happened, Mm -hmm. and somebody next to me just before that, had said, oh, it would be great if the Lions came up with a pick right here. We need wow. a turnover. And it was so funny. It was like as if on cue, Tracy Walker comes in, gets that interception. I was standing right there in front of it, and it was like, wow, th- th- these are the lines we're used to seeing. Is,
1: uh, you, that you took the words <laughs> out That comeback in the fourth That's quarter, right. those
0: clutch That's interceptions. Right. Usually it's Darius Slay or Glover Quinn that we're seeing do that. Now, Darius yep. Slay wasn't even on the field when right. that happened because right. he had that concussion in that game. Uh, Glover Quinn was on the field but it was the young guy who came up with the interception. And I think that that is more of what we're used to seeing uh, from this team in the fourth quarter. But then the fact that it was called back on a penalty was just really kind of representative of that whole game to me. Uh, It just was like, all right, this makes sense. Uh, And disappointing uh, for me, I think... I feel bad for Tracy because yes. it wasn't his fault or anything, and it was his first NFL uh, interception, but good for him. I'm sure there will be more to come for him, uh, but I wonder if he did keep that ball or not. I know. <laughs> Even though it didn't <coughs> count, it was a big <laughs> moment for him, and it would have been huge if it weren't for the penalty. So. I know.
1: I think I would have kept it. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: but then you, you flip it over, and the line still had a chance to come back and win it yes. there. They were down just three points with the ball in their hand with a little more than a minute left in the game, And it was surprising, I feel like, to see the offense not be able to, to put anything together there. I mean, uh, we haven't really seen a lot of really uh, really great stuff from them so far this right. season, but in the past historically when Matthew Stafford has the ball in his hands at the end of a game, you're used to seeing him make something happen with it. And he even said after the game, as soon as I got up there, I was sure, I was 100% convinced that we were going to score seven or at least three to tie the game. Uh, and it did not end up happening. There were two key drops on that on that drive and Uh, you know, I think that that was kind of typical of how that game went offensively for mm-hmm. the team, but not typical of what we usually see from Matthew Stafford in late-game situations. You're
1: right, and it, it's been that way. A great point, Tori, and it's been that way pretty much I, I could say the first two games, too. We haven't seen the real Matthew Stafford. We really yeah. haven't, you know, because like you say, he thrives in situations like that when it's a minute to go and you could go down and score or win the game. He normally thrives in those situations, but I don't think we've seen him the the first two games of the season. It just seems like he's just a little off. Don't know what it is. Can't really pinpoint it. Try to look at his footwork and see if it's something with that. Can't really tell that. You know the line. I thought – especially in this second game, I thought the line did pretty good. You know, okay. he took a couple of hits, but for the most part, I thought the line, especially when you dropping back, you know, as much as we did, and especially in the situation when they knew we had to pass the ball, I thought the line held up pretty well when we got into our hurry-up and everything. Uh, conditioning doesn't seem to be a problem with anyone, and that's some, one thing that Coach uh, preaches about, it, the team being well-conditioned. It's just right now. And I do think if you look at not just Matthew, look at some of the other quarterbacks in the league too, big name quarterbacks, they're a little off too. A lot of the other quarterbacks not putting – now you hear about the young quarterbacks putting up big numbers. Patrick Mahomes. Exactly. Look at the week that he exactly. has Exactly. Fitzpatrick, you don't really – but he's kind of non anonymous But some of the other big name quarterbacks not putting up the real big numbers or having the years that we're used to. So maybe it's a slow start by all of them, but we do know Matthew's going to get better. And it's only going to get better with Matthew as the season goes along.
0: Yeah, he kind of took responsibility after the game. Uh, he had that fumble that resulted in a field yeah. goal for the 49ers. Now, thanks to Eli Harold's sack there, it, that was just a yes. field goal and not, not a touchdown there, but that definitely cost them. And when you lose the game by three points, you definitely go back and think about those things. And he said, hey, maybe if I hadn't fumbled the ball there, maybe we're tied there at the end of the game uh, and things are a different situation. But that definitely uh, was a case where usually savvy veteran Stafford but- is more Careful and Pressing,
1: Tory. I just ain't pressing. He's trying to do so much. Because you're right. Yeah. Savvy, boom, just throw it out the way. Right. Live for the next play. Let's go, let's go. But, man, I got to make a big play. Man, maybe maybe my guy will come open. And, you know, so that's what I've seen with that play in particular.
0: Yeah, that makes total sense. I mean, when you feel like you've got to be the guy to make something happen, uh, that definitely creates yes. more pressure on you. But something else that I think a lot of people have pointed out this week is just the touch on the deep balls, just being yes. a little bit more yes. off than they usually are. Usually, he and Marvin Jones Jr. will will connect on 90% of those of those uh, passes, and there have been some drops and some times where. You know, somebody got a hand on it, and and they couldn't quite come down with it. But there have also been others where it just has been off, which has been strange to see.
1: You especially on the deep ball, too, Tori. Like you saying, the deep ball has been that was his throw right there. And you're right. I mean, Kenny Galladay, you know, that overthrow, and you're right. And even some, of, I've even that some of the smaller routes too. You know, it just hadn't been right there where he puts it at where the guy, you know, it's. So it's just a little something going on right now. But, again, I think it's something that's correctable, you know, because we've seen what Matthew has done in the past. So we know it's something that's correctable, something that he's thinking about, which is a good thing, that he knows that's going on. So he knows, and you know uh, – the. The player puts more pressure. Nobody could put more pressure on the player than himself. Sure. So Matthew, he, you know, he's not worried about outside noise because he's putting enough pressure on himself to get those things corrected.
0: Sure. Well, definitely uh, needs to be some improvement there. And like yeah. you said, I think that – Matthew Stafford is totally capable of that, so we'll see.
1: But can, uh, I, can I interject one thing? Of course. You can always I, Tory, interject, Lomas. I just think they would make that <laughs> young man feel so much more uncomfortable. If he, every now and then he could just – turn around and hand it all. And that
0: was going to be my next point.
1: <laughs> Go ahead, <Tori>. Please. <laughs> well
0: I was going to ask you about that and what you saw in the run game because I feel like we saw some flashes. We saw some chunk plays right. from the run game uh, against the 49ers, but the offense just still was not Quite clicking on all cylinders.
1: Tory, leaders. you got to give the guys a chance. That's the only thing. I'm on my I'm on my soapbox now. Get on it, because the, the linemen they taking the the, the blunt of the abuse. Oh, they can't run the ball. Oh, they can't protect, and all. It's unfair to the linemen. Like mm-hmm. I keep saying, and you've heard this, you've heard this. Pa- pass blocking is a passive movement. You're mm-hmm. going back. You're absorbing the the blow. Run blocking, you're delivering the blow. You're going at the guy in this aggressive move. You can't go back, drop back 50, 60 times a game and then when you need third or fourth and one, you expect your line to just roll off the ball and get it. It don't work that way. You have to get in the rhythm. The running back has to be able to get in the rhythm. The offensive line has to be able to get in the rhythm. How do you get in the rhythm? You have to run the ball. You have to continuously run the ball. You have to run the ball maybe four, or five, six times in a row You know to get that rhythm going. We don't don't do that enough. Hmm. We're running. Like you said, we had success. I agree 100% with you. We had success running the ball in San Francisco. And then for some strange reason, we got away from it. We got away from using carry on. And we didn't use him enough. So... Until we get that corrected, and there's got to be some rhyme or reason to your offense, too. You have to set plays up. I don't know if you remember, but I don't know if you remember, all day long with San Francisco, any time they ran the play, they would have the wide receiver just come in the back, just go behind the play. And they didn't use it a lot, but they just had him doing that. And then there was one play they had him come, they flipped the ball to him. He carried the ball. Sure. One time he carried the ball on the handle. But they were setting up different things to come off that action. We don't do that. So you have to be able to do that. And that'll help your offensive lineman so much to settle down. Run blocking helps us settle down, Tori. I don't I used to I didn't like pass blocking. That's the least really? favorite thing. That's the least favorite thing for a lineman to do. You know that what's the so worst thing for a lineman? Is the two minute drill where everybody wanna see us run all game long. <laughs> the hurry up. A lineman hates to hurry up because again, They know what you're going to do. Defense know all they're going to do is pass the ball. They rotate their guys in. They get a fresh guy in. And all he's doing is working on this pass rush moves against you. So – It's not good when people say, oh, they should go hurry up the whole game. It won't work. You can't do that the whole game because, again, you limit your playbook and everything. But you put a lot of pressure on them big guys up front. And we like pressure, but we don't like a lot of pressure on us.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I wish you guys uh, could see Lomas uh, showing me what the play looked like with his hands. And Lomas is very animated, and I love how he's kind of demonstrating it. Of course, you guys can't see that in the audio version of of this podcast Uh, but I think he explained it uh, really well there so so let me ask you this you you think that part of the answer to the Lions offensive problems is calling more run plays
1: I think it is I think being more balanced I think I'll say that uh Torrey being more balanced you could be balanced with screen plays. You could be balanced with draw plays too. You could be balanced with the little short passes too. Mm-hmm. But again, you have to. All that's gonna come off of the run game. If you don't establish the run, all those things I just said, they're not gonna be successful, and they're not gonna run successfully. So you, everything needs to start with your run game. To me, if you want to be a physical team, like Coach Matt Patricia said, we want to be. You got to run the ball. You got to start with the run and you got to stop the run on defense.
0: So from what you've seen thus far, do you think the Lions have what it takes to continue to Absol- run the ball?
1: Absolutely. We just, again, and there's certain it's plays that you have to run now. Again, see, I can't get into all the particulars, but there's certain plays that you run too. Tori. our line, we don't have a big power or offensive line, the big meat gre- graders, the 340-pounders. Sure. We got slim Tall, kind of almost like basketball players, 6'8 at Taylor Decker, uh, the big right tackle. He's like, so yeah. So we got big athletic linemen. So to me, what you try to do is get those guys more out in space. Hmm. Pull those guys more. Have them cover up linebackers and smaller guys. You know, angle off more towards the tackle. Run plays more towards the tackle than between the tackles. Run them outside the tackles or right at the tackle position. That's how, to me, that's how our run game represents more than mm. running between the tackles because we're not built that way. We're just not. We're trying to get built that way because you see us bringing in LeGarrette Blunt, you know, and we got the big fullback, Nick Ballore as our fullback. So you try, you see, we're trying to get that way, but we're not that way yet. So you have to play to your strength right now, and our strength is to be more of that type of offensive line than the uh, the one that we're tr- I think we're trying to be right now.
0: Yeah, that was gonna be my next question. You you brought up LeGarrett Blunt because when you think LeGarrett Blunt you think between the tackles, but you think that the Lions strength right now is uh you think they should focus on their strength and where their offensive line runs the ball best rather than the strength of what that specific running back does best so it's, do you think they have the running backs to be able to run outside you the fit tackles? the
1: scheme of that so with LeGarrette that that's a situational, like coach always preaches situational football so say if it's third and one uh third and two yeah I'm bringing Nick below and I'm bringing LeGarrette Blunt in and I'm trying to go between the tackles and get that third and two or that fourth and one. Yes, because that's situation. That's what they call for. But if it's first and ten or second and, you know, nine or whatever, then my run, I'm not trying to run between the tackles or bring in that type of power game. Then I'm trying to bring in a carry-on Johnson or Theo Riddick guys that I could try to get towards the edges or work out in space because that's the type of, again, that's the type of line I have. So you play the situation. Coach okay. always preaches. That and I think that's why Laguerre, that's here, more situational. You get on the two-yard line and you got goal-line package. You send them in. Right. I'm sending Laguerre in. Uh, yes.
0: I love offensive line time with wellness. I know. <laughs> <laughs> he always just breaks it down so clearly, yeah. and I love how passionate you are about talking about the offensive line. Yes, and I you am. seem like you've got it all figured out. You have all the yeah. answers right here. <laughs>
1: now, you know it's easy to have it all is. the answers sitting in the chair behind a microphone.
0: <laughs> it is, it is. But I do appreciate your insight, obviously, because you have been there before, yeah. and you've done it so well, might I mention. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, it is good to get that kind of perspective, and obviously a lot of things – needed to be improved in that game against the 49ers.
1: The Detroit Lions are encouraging fans to arrive early this season for their extended power hour. For the first hour after gates open, fans will enjoy concession specials such as $2 sodas, $2 hot dogs, $3 beers, $3 well drinks, and $5 specialty cocktails at several locations throughout the stadium.
0: So now, let's flip the page to the New England Patriots. They've got them coming into town for Sunday night football. It's going to be a primetime game. This one's really interesting because it is Matt Patricia's former team. He knows that scheme well. He knows those players pretty well. Of course, there's turnover year to year. They've got a new guy calling the defense over there. But I've asked a couple of different analysts this this week, uh, and you and I talked about it last week when we were discussing uh, the Jets' thoughts on predicting the Lions plays mm-hmm. and you talked about uh the ability to change plays and change signals and and all that kind of thing. I'm curious from you, do you think Matt Patricia's familiarity with this New England defense is an advantage for him or is that really just not that much not that relevant in this game?
1: You know, I I think I don't think it's going to be that relevant to be honest mm. with you because I just think, right, we, what we know about Coach Belichick and his staff is that they find your weakness and they exploit it. So, <laughs> right, Tori. So we know right now they, if you're looking at our offense, so if you – I'll throw it to you. If you were looking at our offense, what would you think you would – what would you try to exploit about our offense?
0: get pressure on the quarterback. There you go. That's right.
1: Cuz there's no cuz we don't really have a run game. You don't really have to. So again, so that's how coach Belichick is going to look at it and I think the same way with um Coach Patricia. Sure. I think he's going to look at the same way how can we exploit us as a defense how can we exploit the New England Patriots but and, and attack their weaknesses. So I, I think that's how the mindset's going to go for both of these coaches and both of these coaching staffs. And like I keep saying everybody say coach knows the AFC east. But the AC East knows Coach too. Mm, very and they good know point. all his tra- they, they know all his trends, what he likes to do on third down, you know, third and long, third and short. So they know him. They got a book on him just like he has a book on them. So it's definitely gonna be a chess match. But I do think the one thing Tori is just taking away or exploiting the weaknesses of each team. And like you said, you pointed out our weakness also <laughs> so on our – at least on our offense sure, right now. Yeah. Sure, and then on the
0: defense, just
1: run the ball. Run the – right. <laughs> if I'm – I mean, you know, I wouldn't put Tom Brady in harm's way. I think he's going to do a lot of that and a lot of those, you know, well, little people crossing can't routes. People can't see oh, you. Oh, that's right. That I office. keep forgetting. That's right. <laughs> I think he's going to hand the ball off. Crossing yeah, routes. and he's just going to throw a little <laughs> dink and because they say he averages about the ball about two seconds in his hand. So the, you can't go that far. Your routes can't be that that deep when your quarterback's getting this ball out of his hands in about two seconds. So I look to see him continue to do that against us.
0: I thought it was very interesting. Matt Patricia said this week in his press conference that he doesn't want to give his players too much information mm. on new England because he has so much. And with how smart that, of a guy he that, is, I, I really believe that that is true that he just knows so yes. much about new England system that he doesn't want to overload his players because if you do that, then you can paralyze That's them. That's right.
1: Toward- so from
0: a player perspective, tell me a little bit about that. i I don't think he was inferring that his players couldn't handle that much information. He just is trying to give them the information they need. Am right. I, am I getting they, that right? You,
1: you, perf- you hit it perfectly on the head. He don't want guys to outsmart themselves. Because, again, you know a lot of times with coaches, really what I look for uh, the Coach Josh McDaniels and the New England offense to do is yeah, they're gonna, it's a lot of things you can't change. But it's little things within that package that you can change. Little things that you could do, subtle things that Coach Patricia hadn't seen. Maybe in the past he's seen that package and they ran that particular play out of it. They could still show that same package, that same set, but maybe instead of having the back run, you know, an out route, maybe the back runs a straight, you know, go straight up the field, sure. and it's differently than what he remembers. So that's a great point he's making because you're right. A guy see that and you thinking one thing, so I know he wants them to react more than to outsmart them themselves because you don't want to think a play out. You really want to see the play and react to the play more than just try to think it out because that's when you'll get yourself in trouble.
0: And that makes total sense because he also mentioned how much New England changes week to week and that that is their strength. Their strength is how they tailor each week's game plan to that particular team. And so if you focus too much on tendencies and patterns and history that – You might get lost in it Mm -hmm. because of what exactly what you're describing—that you want your players to react to what they're seeing. So I think that was a very interesting insight from him. Uh, Whereas on the surface, you'd just say, "Well, Matt Patricia knows this defense, so the Lions should know exactly what to do with it." There are some intricacies there uh, that that don't quite apply unto that broad statement. You're right.
1: You're right. And you know what else, Tori? Too, as it get later in the season, say the Lions make a playoff push later in the season, then what teams are gonna do, especially if it gets close to that, not only will they start studying the Lions' film, but they'll start studying New England's film because they know Coach Patricia came from New England. So they'll start studying what uh, some of the things that New England, even though he's not there in New England, they'll start looking at some of the things they did. Of course, they'll look back when he was there in New England, but they'll even look at some of the things that New England's doing right now to kind of give a comparison. Say if the Lions, like I say, made a playoff push and it came it became a tight race. They start doing that when it gets closer down there because they want to know everything. They try to get every tendency they can about any coach.
0: Playoff push, lomas
1: <clears throat> You know that was <laughs> <laughs> That was a little funny. I'm surprised you didn't hit me with the Jim Moore playoffs.
0: <laughs> just, I'm sorry. Just I'm sorry, sure sorry fans. Right. I'm sorry right now. <laughs> well, of course, it's just two games into the season, right. and that uh, you know doesn't dictate the entire season. But I think it's been an interesting statistic thrown out there this week that something like between 11 and 12 percent of teams that start the season 0 and 2 wow. are, can make it to the playoffs. Yes. So it's it's a very small percentage of 11 to 12 percent make. the the playoffs after starting 0 and two now I wanted to ask you something about the pass rush in New England because you mentioned mm. we talked about that's where the Patriots are going to try and attack the Lions at. right. they are going to want to pressure Matthew Stafford but their best pass rusher Trey Flowers went out of last week's game with a concussion we'll see if he's able to play this week we don't know but they might be missing him and they might be missing Patrick Chung their cornerback How does that affect this game if their best pass rusher is not out there? Does that help the Lions out at all?
1: I think more so than the best pass rusher not being out there, Patrick Chong. Because I know that that guy is almost like the quarterback. Him and McCordy are almost like the quarterbacks of that defense, and they've been there. Probably um, as long as any of the other guys on the defensive side of the ball have been there, so I would look at him being a bigger blow uh, than the uh, pass rusher because, yeah, because you could see you see what we did without Ziggy. We got six sacks without That's Ziggy. So we you could generate pressure, Tori. It's different ways you could get pressure with the linebacker, run stunt games. So it's different ways of generating pressure without having your best guy out there. I mean, that helps. That would definitely help to have your best guy out there. But, again, it's proven, like I said, we did it last week without Ziggy getting six sacks. So they'll devise ways of still getting pressure on Matthew. They'll show them different looks and brain different things. That's what New England does and stuff. So, if they, I know that's, like you said, that's going to be their number one thing, just trying to pressure Matthew, trying to get hits and hurt. And it's not about the sacks. It's about the hits and the pressures sure. that they get on. That's what started getting the quarterback to throwing the ball early or jittery back there or rolling out when he doesn't have to.
0: Sure. Now then on the Lions injury side, how concerned should Lions fans be about this defense if Ziggy Ansah still isn't back? We'll see, but Darius Slay missed practice on Wednesday. If he isn't able to go, what does that mean? I
1: think for now, for us, both of those injuries are big because again, Ziggy, we won't have to use our linebackers as much to get pressure because Ziggy's our one-man wrecking crew, so... That's going to be a big blow for us. I mean, we were good against a young Jimmy Garoppolo, but we got Tom Brady. We got the GOAT coming in here. You can't. You got to be careful how you blitz him. The thing about good quarterbacks is they want you to blitz them, Torrey, because they know they're going to get that one-on-one matchup, and that's when they could get the big play over you. I was taught that when I was with the Giants under Sean Payton, and he used to welcome the, the pressure to come because that's when he got this opportunity to get the big playoff. So we got to be careful with him. So Ziggy would be great if we could get him back and then big play slay. I mean, what more can be said? I mean, we need him. We need everybody, but we need him. They already said, the DBs already said how he's their emotional leader and, you know, how they look up uh, Darius. So that's going to be huge if we don't have him.
0: Certainly. Well, there's definitely a lot to look for in this game on Sunday night. It should be an interesting matchup. Even though the Lions are 0-2, I think Ford Field is usually a pretty fun atmosphere when a primetime game comes to town. But – I do expect to see quite a few New England fans at that <laughs> yes. game because I think that they're a fan base that kind of has fans everywhere. And I think that uh, the Lions fans will definitely have uh, some some competition when it comes to yes. cheering for their team at Ford Field Sunday. See
1: if we keep that momentum. If we could just somehow just keep the momentum, because our fans be so ready. They and are, and they do the right. Tori, I mean, they almost blew the roof off the place the first game. Oh my goodness! The interception. I, I think that might have been the loudest I've heard for uh, Ford Field since I since I've been going to Ford Field. So if we could just keep that big play and keep that and keep the crowd into it, I think that'll help us.
0: Certainly. Well, Lomas, it's been fun having this Absolutely. podcast with you once again. I always love chatting with you. And I hope you guys who are listening have enjoyed our conversation Like I said at the beginning of the podcast, this is going to become a more regular thing. I know you guys are used to the podcast coming out on Tuesdays like we did in the off season, but that's shifting a little bit as the regular season goes along. So I think you guys should expect the podcast to be more of a Wednesday thing for you guys now as as the season goes along. But don't worry, we're still having the podcast every single week. We're still going to have great discussions. And, you know, we might change it up every now and then, but I love that uh, we can expect more of Lomas on the podcast here (laughs) because it's way too much fun when I get to chat. <laughs> before we let you guys go, though, of course, we've got to get to our trivia question, oh, as always. Yes. Well, Miss, I'll remind you again, don't answer okay, if you know I it. I won't.
1: <laughs> I didn't know the last one either, so.
0: <laughs> well, here's the question this week. We always theme it uh, according to what's going on uh, with the Lions that week and what we talked about on the podcast. So, with it being week three, the Lions facing the Patriots on Sunday Night Football, we have a Matt Patricia Patriots question mm. for you guys. So, here's the question. How many seasons did Matt Patricia coach for the New England Patriots and it's a two-parter and what was his first role in New England when he was hired so I want you to tell me how many seasons and what his first role with the Patriots was if you know the answer to that question tweet it to at Lions and you might win an autographed prize thank you guys as always for listening in to the podcast and for participating in tri- trivia we really appreciate having you guys here and don't forget to rate review and subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already we'll see you next week